0: Hi, my name is Alex Russell, and I was always taught to introduce myself with my name and a fun fact. So, hi, my name is Alex Russell. I thought gammon was fish until I was 17 years old, and I once owned a pair of Spider-Man boxers signed by Ainsley Harriet.
1: Hello, and welcome to Poetry Nonstop. This is Patrick Widdis, and that was an introduction from the final guest in this first series of podcasts, Alex Russell. Alex has a rare entrepreneurial streak for a poet. He'll be discussing some of his innovations in writing and performance poetry and answering that elusive question, how do you make a living from poetry? But first I asked him what drew him to poetry in the first place.
0: Embarrassingly enough, originally it started out when I was uh, about 13, 14, listening to far too much pop punk and I wasn't any good at playing an instrument so I thought hopefully I could write some lyrics and I was absolutely no good at singing either. And so eventually the writing kind of took a life of its own, and I realised you can do it just saying the words. (laughs) Yeah, like uh, John Cooper Clarke. Absolutely. Um, I didn't really think it could go anywhere at first, because you have a very narrow view of what poetry is and isn't at the time, uh, which is basically dictated by your GCSE teachers. But I remember going to a gig and seeing this absolutely fantastic poet, Zach Roddis, and he was... Touring with the bands, uh, opening up with his poetry, and he'd have people crowd surf during them. He was having mosh pits as he was going through his poems. And it was a moment of thinking, poetry can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, And I kind of leapt on that. I like the idea that poetry can be fun and what you make it, and you can make your own niche for it. So that was what I decided to go for.
1: So what were your first steps into uh, uh, writing poetry yourself?
0: At first, because of the obvious musical influence, uh, because I was listening to absolutely rubbish emo bands, it was all really terrible, very cliché teenage boy writing about romance. And I realised when I decided I was bored of all the other people who wrote like that, that I was writing boring things as well. And I didn't like the idea of that. And I didn't like the idea of boring anyone else, especially not me. So I put a self-imposed ban on writing about romance in its entirety for about a year, uh, which led me to writing Stranger Things about Wikipedia or um, whether or not I want to paint Tim Burton's house hot pink in the dead of night, which later became a title. (laughs) And yeah, it kind of just encouraged me to have a lot more fun with poetry. And hopefully some of that comes across when I do readings. Uh, occasionally there's a moment where people hear the P word and they expect sonnets and they're not sure if they're allowed to laugh when I'm saying really goofy things slightly taking the mickey out of Black Mirror. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But towards the end, I hope people realise that they can get involved with it and have a bit of a giggle. (laughs) That's
1: difficult to make something like that sustainable, so um, how have you tried to uh, make it more profitable
0: Definitely. It's not always the most uh, profitable venture. When I realised I wanted to put a few pamphlets and chapbooks and things like that out, uh, I quickly realised that if I wanted to do it the way I imagined, which, because a lot of my stuff is quite goofy, involves pull-out posters, it would cost a little more than ideal. And so I've tried a few different ventures to make my poetry self-sustaining financially. I attempted to cash in on a few trends going around it's slightly died down now but there was a stage where every third advert was a spoken word piece about why NatWest is greater than Jesus and here's a rhyming <laughs> reason why and I figured that that must be where the money was so I did attempt to write a piece about Old El Paso and hope that if it was good enough they'd have to give me back payments or at the very least a free fajita seasoning packet or something like that Um, and I've put that out in a few shows, and I've tried to get a few people tweeting at them, but I've yet to hear back, unfortunately.
1: Okay, well, if anyone uh, from uh, Old El Paso is listening, um, (laughs) maybe uh, you'd like to
0: do it for them now? I'd be happy to, yeah. I've got the actual poem memorised. I can't remember what the final version of the title was, but it was something along the lines of Everyone else in the poetry reading is reading from a moleskin notebook, and here I am with a beaten up Relentless Energy Drink branded notebook that I got free with a can at university, and it makes me feel like a sellout, so if I'm selling out anyway, I may as well go full out. Old El Paso is a type of seasoning, so it stands up to reasoning that you should put it on your food to make people think you're a real swell dude. Then, when you have friends over for dinner, they're going to think that you're a winner instead of having to judge your personality. Because honestly, mate, if you ask me, I think it's lacking, personally. You made consumerism your identity? Now, don't get me wrong, I think that it's great that you like your subscription to Loot Crate. The problem is about you, that's all we know. You've got a closet that's ready to blow with shirts that show every game you play. You wear a portal belt buckle every day. But when you summarise the latest threads you read it, It makes me wonder if you have opinions not from Reddit. I wouldn't care about an independent superfan, but you can't tell me what you think about Superman before you check a forum like, hey there, can I have these thoughts about Superman? No? Well, I can't upset the clan. If people disagree, I won't have a plan. I'll just repeat what I heard and stay deadpan. I don't want you to think it bothers me if people get intense about DC, or think that I marvel at comic readers as if they're committing misdemeanours. I, too, like consuming media. I'll even lose hours on Wikipedia. I know the joy of shows that transfix. I wrote a poem for Netflix that they sent me a bobblehead for. And that is something I adore, I just don't want it to be all that defines me. I'm sorry if this sounds like hyperbole, it's just I had friends that had personality, and then somewhere around their pre-grad degree, they lost all the things that I used to see. When we'd question the world defiantly. And yeah, sometimes we'd disagree, because our thoughts still had originality, but it was never a fight. We'd still decree at the end that everything's left carefree. That, I think, is the main thing you lost. You won't take different opinions at any cost. You think there's some objective truth about whether Star Wars got long in the tooth. I just missed the times we got excited by anything at all that you couldn't buy. So please, old friend, won't you do me a favor? I miss when our lives were full of flavor. I don't think you're happy being passive, and so, won't you please come round for some old El Paso?
1: Another problem with poetry, it can take a long time to write, but I understand you found a way of making it more efficient.
0: Absolutely. Uh, if you are trying to monetize your poetry, it's important that you have a steady stream of content coming out that you can monetize. Uh And of course, not only is it time-consuming to actually make, lots of people get caught up by writer's block, lots of people get absolutely uh, paralysed by the constant fear that if you're not using your time to create something, then you're wasting it, leaving you completely terrified every time you try and relax. Um, <laughs> so... What I ended up doing was I tried to use technology to make the writing process a little bit easier. I realised while I was trying to write messages that my phone would recommend to me three words based on everything I typed beforehand that might come next. And it turns out it's quite easy to get that kind of software. So you could get a bot, theoretically, and feed it your first chat book as the only data it has for how human beings write and what words should go where, and then If you only make a piece by choosing the words recommended to you, technically, it's your words, presented in an order of the style you write in, chosen by you, so it's everything you could possibly want from an individually written piece, but you can just click wildly, or just pick based on what's uh, suggested to you, turning you into kind of a co-creator and curator Mm -hmm. of the piece. and so I put together about 30 different pieces from there, picked my favourite, and that's in my new manuscript that I've just submitted out.
1: Okay, uh, can we hear that?
0: I'd be more than happy to. Uh, it's called, the title was also chosen by the bot, Imaginary Friends on the Forest Floor Alone with Only the Dead Stars for a Glow. Uh, it puts together words I'd never actually think of combining in really bizarrely beautiful ways, like Moth started willing the world to tell you They would still love your life to the dead-set sunsets, after frantic apologies to obsolete strangers that nobody wants to crumble, before they even missed the point of your butchered expressions that happened to be destroyed in the dark. Is the point of your life this nightmare donated, taken with only silence? Is the point of your funeral this kind, and also still pretty? Haunted stories about thinking your identity is noteworthy. A different time behaves differently but the person remains where we pretended to be together. With heaven at home, I always wonder if anything else even gets greater. The point is the way sunsets happen, as if everyone was young and right. That's
1: very impressive. Um, (laughs) Where did you get the software for that?
0: Oh, goodness, I'm going to have to remember exactly what uh, what it was called. Um... But it's it's easily accessible online, and the beautifulest thing is they have lots of uh, they have lots of templates for you to start from. They've got a database of existing writing for you to play with without putting your own custom mm-hmm. ones in. So you can use either the collected works of Shakespeare or a series of Vogue articles yeah. and create your own uh, mismatch of the two, which is really interesting.
1: Uh, Like the idea also of uh, your writing being like the entire language that uh, can be used. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) I find it interesting that uh, as people will be impacted and affected by everything else going on in our lives, all the other ways people have used language. And this is bizarrely a truer form of having your own voice. Um, you won't be picking up, subconsciously, anything else anyone has said. There's less of a chance of you accidentally plagiarising someone you heard in the street. It's just only the existing literary canon that you're choosing to give it.
1: So, another way you can add value to your work is to make it more exclusive.
0: Uh, absolutely. I find this one a bit of a strange one. I always really want to make poetry more accessible. Uh, especially because it seems like we're marginalising a lot of voices when we do things like put really expensive readings, uh, reading fees up uh, so on the one side I want to make sure that being poor doesn't stop anyone from being allowed to enjoy poetry so on that sense um, I've tried to make my chapbooks available uh, in as many formats as possible, all for pay what you want but the problem with that is a lot of people don't want to pay much, which is fine, that's why I put it there. But I've definitely lost a lot of money from people paying nothing and then having me cover shipping costs to send it to, say, Santa Cruz. So Mm -hmm. to try and get the money to offset that one. So for an event called Disco Dada put on by our brilliant friend Sophie Essex, who runs Salo Press, and a brilliant series of nights called Volta, one of the nights was Disco Dada, and you're encouraged to bring as much weirdo art performance as possible to the stage. So I went up as the CEO of the Literary Container Company, also trading as Poetry Preserves, and to try and appeal to the increased demand for one-of-one exclusive items, Um, like we were talking about, the idea that while everything's being mass-produced, owning something that no one else can feels really special. These were poems written on handmade paper and read into a jar and then crushed up, uh, the paper being read from was crushed up, placed into the jar and really quickly, so that the poetry doesn't have time to escape the jar and go into the surrounding air, lid goes on, you twist it and there's a poem in there in two senses. You've got the paper and you've got the poem read into it and then I sell it for £2 in theory. It was an absolutely... Hilarious, really fun piece to do, and as an extension of it, I made an Etsy, which no one's picked up on yet.
1: Yeah, um, and so uh, with these jars, would you um, open them and let the poem waft around a room, or do you keep them sealed for posterity?
0: Um, that I think is up to uh, up to the individual. Um, I like the idea that it's almost like a scented candle. You can eke it out a little bit and have it go in if you want to store it absolutely you keep it in there you know a poem is in there but i think of it um there's this company they bottle air all across england and sell it to places where there's huge amounts of pollution Mm -hmm. so someone could open it up and just breathe in country air and for that one moment they're somewhere a lot purer and i think if you live in a poetry deficit environment i like the idea of someone opening up one of these jars and just ah there we are
1: Uh, do you have one of the poems
0: Oh, I do. There was a really simple, really quick one that goes... My dad's bigger than your dad. My dad's way bigger than your dad. My dad is so big he couldn't fit on the planet anymore. My dad is so big he has to live in outer space now. And he's out there punching away the aliens, smashing away the UFOs, beating down asteroids, and that's why he hasn't been home since April. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Sorry, bit all
0: that in one jar. Bit of a downer ending, but yes, you just read into it and seal it up. Uh, people were having a bit of trouble um, picturing it, and so I did an example one at the start of the performance where I just said poems, 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 poems into a jar, and that was the only one I actually uh, I actually sent someone away with. They really wanted the poem jar. <laughs>
1: Great. Um, well, I, I can see it as being a good investment like uh, wine or artwork or something. I imagine uh, if Shakespeare had done that, his jars would be worth a fortune by now. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I'm sure they age well. <laughs>
1: um, OK, so, I mean, uh, making a living from uh, poetry is one thing, but um, how can it get you love?
0: Now, That's the problem, isn't it? Because we've met a lot of poets, and unfortunately some of them aren't the most well-rounded and developed people to have wonderful relationships. I'm I'm doing self-deprecating jokes, of course. Please don't hate me, any poets listening to this. (laughs) Absolutely. I was doing a reading recently uh, all about the internet, and I'm obsessed with the thought that people are using the internet to find love. I think that's so... Beautiful, I think that's so pure, but I've not actually got in any online relationships myself. And so I thought that, you know, any good writer would do research before writing around a subject. So, I figured, if I wanted to know that, what that was like, and if I wanted to get a bit of inspiration by having a muse, uh, I could attempt to write in a way that would, uh, hopefully, get someone enamoured that I could start some sort of relationship with me. And so, it turns out, for people who aren't quite sure, about anything, and don't quite know how to form relationships, there's something called the internet, and a site in particular, Craigslist, uh, up until recently when it got taken down, had a brilliant Lonely Hearts place. Uh, You could do personal ads in there. And so I put up a few Lonely Hearts ads, um, poems masquerading as calls for romance, really, Uh, and I put some of those out and then collected the responses in what I hoped was found poetry. So there were a few pieces like I briefly forgot what reflections were. I jumped when I went to touch a window and almost met fingertips with my echo. I was disappointed when I didn't feel human touch. Please, just let me hold your hand. I am a push door that people keep pulling. Date me at the roller rink and let me know if they're all idiots or if it's my fault for having a handle where I should be flat. And I sleep about a foot away from the top of the bed with my feet sticking off the end. I'll often have nice food available and choose to leave it for another day and eat something worse, often, so often, that it goes off before I ever have it. I don't think I believe I deserve nice things. I'm not going to ask you to fix me. I know I probably won't change. But if I'm leaving good things unused, I should probably have a partner to take advantage of my low self-esteem. Hit me up and profit off my problems.
1: So, uh, what response did you get to those?
0: Um, I got a lot of responses for that one, actually. I'm not sure how many are necessarily suitable for the form of podcasting. How explicit would you like me to go on this stage? Just read them all if there's anything that <laughs> I can always take things out. Yes. Apologies, listener. Some of this might be heavily edited. The very first one was... Let's just shag. Sent from my Android phone with GMX mail. Please excuse my brevity. <laughs> um, hello. I think you're probably more deserving than you think. Maybe hanging your feed off the end of bed means you wish your feet to be tickled. I'm Ian, by the way. What's your name? <laughs> that one starts off so life-affirming and then it goes so foot fetish. Um, sounds like you need a cuddle and a massage greetings, like-year message on Facebook. Um, Some of them just got straight to the point with the questions that need to be asked. I just had four words. Hey, are you okay? (laughs) Um, There were a lot that came with, shall we say, intimate self-portraiture. And a few of them, they just have such an evocative voice to them, but I can't help imagine them in... Hey... You do sound like you have ruinous self-esteem. That makes you sound low-maintenance. Makes you sound like you'd say yes to a whole lot of regrettable, degrading sex. After all, you don't deserve it, nice. I'd love to hear back from you, L. There's a twist in that one. Uh, A lot of them have really interesting uses of punctuation, as far as found poetry goes, that really encourages you to read them in a certain way, like... Hi, looking for a woman to have a threesome. Own me and my wife, I'm twenty, she is nineteen. (laughs) <laughs> and another one that had absolutely no line breaks or punctuation in any sense was, "You sound really weird, but so am I. Looking for a casual shag, am old a guy, overweight, thick cock with huge helmet. That about covers it." And I don't think I'll ever know what he meant by "that about covers it." <laughs> I don't know if that's everything I need to know about that man, or if he's talking. Never mind. <laughs> I think
1: there's a lot that uh, is best unknown about these people. <laughs> Uh,
0: Definitely. So not all of them are read in their okay. entirety. My notes here just say a man named James told me to start each day with a Carp DM attitude, then translated Carp DM to me. I think the least likely one to make it in the final edit is.
1: OK, I haven't edited it out because it's hilarious. But if what you've heard so far has made you feel at all uncomfortable, you'd better skip for next 15
0: seconds. And I'm going to read this one as it's written as well. Hi, I'm 22. You? I'm Domtop, I can Meet me now. I want you suck me good and fuck you very gently until your hole open up and fuck you hard until we both come slow and fast! Three exclamation marks. Fuck the come out of you. Just a full stop. And send pickplers. But a few of them were just so bizarrely lovely. I had someone that only said... (laughs) I'm not interested, but your post made me smile. And then a little smiley face. And I've started dedicating this section, if I ever read it, to a chap called David, who kind of made me stop mocking these. It was just so unexpectedly genuine. Wow. And he writes it with a H, so you have to say it like that. Wow. What an unusual Craigslist posting. I so hope that it is genuine. Just go home and read your posting and felt uncertain synergy towards it. I have nothing to hide and would just love to get to know someone with similar insecurities and ideals to my own. Genuinely, would love to hear from you. David. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, David, if you're out there, um, <laughs> I hope you found what you're looking for. I hope so as well. Um, I've read that at a few poetry nights and only when I was going back over it, in case you asked about it today, did I remember that I did put these in my home city's Craigslist side. And so there is a chance that someone from the, the from the messages has actually heard me read it, which is a terrifying concept. But yeah, I really hope David's doing well. I tried to message him back. Um <laughs> I uh, the first time I read that I said that any sales of the chapbook I'd try to donate to David to do something nice <laughs> for him and it was about three months later I never heard back from him so I guess he's the one that got away
1: Yeah, we've covered quite a lot Have you got uh, an exercise or prompt that uh, we can use to uh, write some uh, big money making poems
0: <laughs> uh, Absolutely uh, I think my General advice of what I try to do if I'm doing any money-making prompt is just try and find an exploitable market and jump on it. Uh, Whether it is the idea of cashing in on the fact that everyone else is doing uh, spoken word advertisements, or whether it is just spotting an audience ready to be rung, like deciding you're going to eat everything you can out of the one-of-one making things exclusive with the jar of poetry. Um, Or I also like jumping on anything that's uh, a trend to create the illusion of being relevant. I've started reading some of my poems in the form of ASMR relaxation videos on YouTube. I think, absolutely, find an exploitable market and decide that you're going to be the one to exploit it.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, there's uh, lots of uh, great ideas, and uh, you might uh, have your own idea. Um, Explore your uh, entrepreneurial spirit. (laughs) I had to go at this. Um, I'm not the most business-minded poet, <laughs> but uh, I thought I'd aim big and uh, write a poem for one of the most famous, widely advertised brands on the planet, but as far as I know, it hasn't been advertised in the form of a villanelle, <laughs> um, which is a great vehicle for advertising of products. It's got a lot of rhyme and repetition, so it really gets the uh, message across. So this is um, my response. It's called Enjoy. Life is sweet with sugary water. Soak up the vibe as your tongue starts grooving. Taste the taste with more flavour than flavour. You've got the rhythm. You've got the power. Get out on the highway. Rev up the engine. Life is sweeter with sugary water. Energise your soul. You can climb higher. Reach for the top. Don't stop believing. Taste the taste with more flavour than flavour. Feel the love. Your heart's beating faster. Heaven is near, but you know you're not dreaming. Life is sweeter with sugary water. Sexy and cool, you can live forever. Drink the best, authentically refreshing. Taste the taste with more flavour than flavour. Pump up the volume, you can party harder. Hands in the air, everybody singing. Life is sweeter with sugary water. Taste the taste with more flavour than flavour.
0: I love that. I think that's going to go down really well. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And uh, if uh, any uh, sugary water manufacturers out there want to give us a sponsorship deal, well, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, I'd love to hear from the rest of you um, as how you get on with uh, writing commercial entrepreneurial poetry and yeah, well, and when uh, you make a sale, do uh, consider uh, sending some of your millions to us so we can keep the podcast <laughs> going. Alex, it's been uh, great to talk to you. Uh, there's some really fun poems and some wonderful ideas. Um, have you got uh, something to finish with?
0: Absolutely. Um, Having encouraged everyone to try something a little bit new, because you never know when it's going to when it's going to be the thing you've been looking for. um, I recently got asked to do a few poetry readings in places I wouldn't normally expect, like the back room of tequila bars and during SoundCloud rappers house shows. And it's been really effective for me. Uh, mostly because the people there tend to get really quite drunk, and I have sold one chap my book four times, because he keeps forgetting he's picked it up beforehand. (laughs) Um, And if I remind him, he goes, oh, it must have fallen out of my pocket on the bike ride home. (laughs) Um, And so I thought I'd share something I did for the purpose of helping out a SoundCloud rapper, something I did to a beat. Um, It's called Rebuild. Alone in a house, still knelt on the floor, contemplating what I've got left to stand for. I don't know what more this place has in store. I don't know much. I'm so unsure. All that I know for certain is from this low down it doesn't feel like a home. Maybe I don't need to worry yet though. Remind me how long it took to build Rome? I know that I need to rebuild. We've got dreams that never grew and more that were killed. I know that I'm unfulfilled. But think of the potential that's being instilled. Maybe I can make things better. Aim for more than just alright. Maybe I go from regretter to making my future bright. I'll put some houseplants in the kitchen to prove I can keep them alive. I'll treat myself with that same love and together we're both gonna thrive. Small changes matter too. That's what I tell myself on my new bedsheets. I could have gone cheaper than brushed cotton, but I deserve some treats. I'm making my space beautiful. I'm making my wants known. And I can build a throne out of this sofa that I've sewn the repairs into. Because I make broken things beautiful. And speaking of which, am I being cynical, or do these blank walls make the space look clinical? I'm so past done with white wasted space. I've got more art that I've got to place, and I've got more art that I've got to make, and I've got the friends that I can make it with. Whatever I've not got, it turns out they're happy to give. And I'll repay that favour a thousand times and more. On the best days we're sat on sofas, but on the worst, there's company on the floor. And even when I'm alone, I know that I made this home. I know I made this home.
1: That was Alex Russell, and I hope you use some of his ideas to produce some poetry for profit. As always, please share your poems. You can still submit poems for any of the exercises in this first series. And if you get them in before June 27th, I will definitely try to feature them on the blog and maybe in a special podcast. So please send your work to poetry nonstop at gmail.com. Or post them on the blog or social media using hashtag PoetryNonstop. You can find more details about today's show and everything else you might want to know at the website poetrynonstop.com. As I said, this is the last in this current run of podcasts, but I will be back with more shortly. I've got some great poets lined up and some new shows already recorded. It's also a good moment to mention that, like all things, this show does cost money to produce. At the moment I'm paying £90 a year for quite basic web and podcast hosting services. That's quite a lot for one person to cover and it doesn't take into account the time and effort spent recording, editing and promoting the podcast. So if everyone who has listened to this first series just put in £5, it would cover those basic costs and any extra can be put into building and improving the project. It could do with better recording equipment, improved website and podcast hosting, and coffee to keep you going with the editing. You get the picture. And receiving donations doesn't just have the practical benefit of paying for stuff, It's also a great motivator. Knowing that people like what I'm doing and want me to do more is a great boost, so if you've enjoyed Poetry Nonstop so far, please give what you can to keep it going. You can donate via the Patreon page. There's a link on the website poetrynonstop.com. So that's just about it for the first series of Poetry Nonstop please stay tuned and tell all your friends. Earlier, Alex mentioned using a predictive text bot to create new poems out of his old ones. You can find a link to that on the website. And to finish off, I put all the poems I've written for this series into the bot to create a poetry mashup which I'll leave you with until next time. Thank you for listening and keep writing. The taste of America is salt and cabbage. Life is a party on a crumpled seagull. I was raised to break the jaws of flailing prawn dogs. Feel the warmth of diamonds and meerkats. The world grew from a little blue box of golden flamingo legs. Don't spill your soul on your featherless clock faced dogs. Pump up your cheek and smell the fat librarian of the island. Jostle your tongue in Michigan. Splash your heart's cocktail on the doorstep of her country. You've got my sugary beak and rubber wings in a weightless embrace, wild with these faded blue hours of onion and pepper. I grasp your arm as you skin the azure boy and shiver